greeting and uh, so glad to see you all here to see some new faces and to see some faces that we're getting to love by knowing I didn't say it getting to love to see because we get to see you more often than that so we're Mark and Jane and uh, I guess this is all our fault but we're glad you came and joined in <laughs> This is Catch the Fire Myrtle Beach, and we want you to feel free to be yourself. So you can come up to the front and use a flag, you can lay on the carpet, you can get a cup of coffee, you can receive from God, because that's what it's all about. We gather together to celebrate what God has done and to prepare ourselves for what God is going to do. So I want to encourage you to expect God to be working in your heart today. Uh, through the worship, through the word, through interaction with one another, however he wants to do that. And he's very good at doing that. And so our goal is that each of us, by coming together, we move a step forward in our walk with him as part of his family. So you're all very welcome, and uh, we're glad you're here. And we are going to worship together, I believe. Is that is that correct? Yes. I think that's correct. Look at our amazing worship team. Wonderful. I guess I need to give this back to somebody, do I? they'd rather do that we value freedom in this place we're just going to start off and just let the instruments prophesy a little bit
It's a place of peace where God is found. And he'll come rest in that spot with you. He'll come dine in that spot with you. He'll come fellowship in that spot with you. And there'll be an interaction with him and you. There'll be a greater knowing. There'll be a greater place of reception. There'll be a greater place of fulfillment. There'll be a greater place of joy. And your heart finds a hold of the
things about you are endless. The things about you are endless. And I want to know you more. The things about you are endless.
generations we will keep falling down and worship whether it's laughing crying just to praise you just falling down because only you are worthy of worship only you
You are our King of Kings, and our hearts just cry out to you how holy you are. With thanksgiving, we say you deserve all our worship and all our praise. We gladly yield our lives to you afresh this morning. Be glorified in each of us that we would shine your light brightly wherever we go, because we've fixed our eyes on you, that we, like Moses, would meet you face to face, and then it would be seen on us that we've been with you. We worship you, we love you, we thank you for your presence in this place. And you told us that where our treasure is, there our heart is also, and so as part of our worship, we want to bring our tithes and our offerings to you. Because as we bring our tithes and offerings, we're trusting that you are going to align every part of our lives with your purpose and your plan. So we're trusting you for provision. We're trusting you for breakthrough. We're trusting you for wisdom and guidance. We're trusting you for everything we need because you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And as we return that first 10% back to you of all that you've given us, we're declaring and aligning our lives with your truth. That you are Lord and worthy of all praise. So receive our worship and receive our giving in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're visiting us this morning, please don't feel any pressure to give. This is a family action. <laughs> Any of you wanting to give, you can use the envelopes if you're giving cash or you can do a check to catch the Fire Myrtle Beach. Or many of you give online or through the app, you can text a dollar amount to 84321 if you want to get started with that. Appreciate every one of you for giving. We usually conclude our worship time by just sharing the Lord's Supper together because it's our remembrance of what Jesus has done to make all of this possible. You wouldn't be sitting here today if it wasn't for the fact that he died in your place. <laughs> and he wants every one of us to come and to enjoy this family meal together. If we were a fully New Testament church, we'd have feasted already before we shared the bread and the wine. I guess we are somewhat of a... Because that was a feast of worship. Okay. Timing's not quite perfect for having a big meal right now. But um, sometimes you do have meals as well as communion. But we're going to celebrate the bread and the wine together this morning. And everyone who loves Jesus is always welcome to the table. Because this is our demonstration that we're all one family. Us in this room 
and many others in many other rooms all over the county, all over the city, all over the nation, all around the world. We're celebrating being part of the body of Christ. So what I want to invite you to do, I'm going to go and break the elements, and I'd like you just to sit quietly for a second here. Reflect on what God has done for you, how thankful you will be because of his love expressed in practical terms. And then I'll invite you up to receive the elements in just a moment. So Jesus, thank you that you allowed yourself to be broken, that each of us could be made whole. And thank you that the life is in the blood. So as we receive the blood of Jesus, signified by this juice, we receive the life you have for us. So come on forward and receive the elements. Get with one or two others and just be thankful together. Share these elements with one another. Receive together, I should say. Come on up.
Hallelujah. It's always a joy to stand at the front here and see all the family clustering up and receiving what God has for us. It's beautiful. We're going to dive into the Word of God together, and our theme through this month is to focus on the Holy Spirit. And uh, when we think of Holy Spirit, we tend to think spiritual gifts or the fruit of the Holy Spirit or power or, or manifestations of people feeling the touch of God with healing or, or maybe with, with laughter as God's presence fills their hearts. All of those are part of our, uh, our fire values. We sometimes put those on the screen. We didn't today, but F-I-R-E spells out uh, the part of our name. Uh, and the last letter there, the E, uh, stands for equipping and empowering, which is what the Holy Spirit does in all of our lives. And I want to focus this morning on a key role of the Holy Spirit in our lives that I know I find I easily forget or overlook. And so I wanted to unpack that for you. But before I dive into that, I want to say uh, a big thank you to Dick, who started our series out, was that two weeks ago now, uh, focusing on the work of the Holy Spirit in the marketplace. And that was wonderful. Thank you uh, for that challenge. But it's so in line with everything we believe we exist for as a church family. We're not the kind of church that exists to pull everybody inside these four walls so we can all just kind of, you know, love one another and hope that the world goes away kind of thing. Uh, we're the kind of church that says, no, we come together like this so that we can make a difference out there. So we only gather in here once or sometimes twice a week for a short time because most of what we do is out in the marketplace. And I loved how Dick put it, that key verse, well, key verse to me, I don't know if it was a key verse in your preparation, but was from Colossians 3, 23. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. So whatever you do on the other six days of the week, uh, do it heartily for the Lord because God has called you to that calling. And I remember you talking about the dentist who said, well, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus who masquerades as a dentist. It reminded me of a dentist I had in London years ago who was a believer. And he was a dentist who, uh, excuse me, a follower of Jesus who masqueraded as a dentist. And he actually had a scripture on the ceiling of his room. So when the chair goes back and he's about to do something, there's um, Psalm 81 verse 10 stuck on his ceiling. Anybody know what Psalm 81 verse 10 says? Open your mouth and I will fill it. <laughs> and he did. And actually some of the fillings he did all those years ago are still here. So that was good. Anyway, whatever we do is for God. At least that's God's plan, right? He wants us to be led by the Holy Spirit. And that's what forms the connection to what I wanted to share this morning. I want to talk about listen and live. That comes from Isaiah 55, verse 3. It says, Incline your ear and come to me, hear, or listen, that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. God is drawing his people to him to listen and to live. His desire is that every one of us would live listening. 
And you say, well, what does that have to do with Holy Spirit? Well, let me give you a little bit of background, and then we'll see the challenge to that that is answered by Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Very much <laughs> from the very beginning, we see God's plan. He created humanity in Genesis 1 and 2, right? Humanity is created to partner with God. So we're different from the rest of creation because our role is to partner with God. It's to have dominion, to fill the earth and subdue it, to do something with God that only we could do. And he formed humanity, but he spoke everything else into being. So again, we're different. He formed us. He didn't just speak us and boom, there we were. Because he wanted us to be formed by him as a perpetual kind of process. And do you know what he said? He said, you can eat of any tree in the garden except one. All of these wonderful trees are for you to eat from, including the tree of life. Just don't eat from that one tree because that one tree replaces partnering with God with me knowing everything that I need to know so that I can do it without God. The tree of the knowledge of what's right and what's wrong. Yeah? So there's this one tree, and guess what? <laughs> the woman got deceived by the snake. She believed something that was spoken to her that was deception. And then she also gave it to her husband, and he failed to protect her from the deception. So the both of them were deceived, and in the end, it all went wrong, didn't it? So the plan was that if we listen to the voice of God, then it's a tree of life to us. But if we listen to the voice of deception or to the voice of what has been deceived, then it becomes that tree of knowledge of good and bad, and it leads to destruction. I don't need you to tell me what, but has anybody in this room ever had anything bad happen through listening to a voice that wasn't God? Okay, I'm talking to the right people. Yeah. Thank you. And as I say, we're not going to ask you the details because that would not be fair. But the woman was deceived because she listened to a voice that wasn't God. And the man failed to protect her. And then this is what God says to Adam in Genesis 3.19. Because you listened to the voice of your wife and disobeyed me, this is the consequence. Now, gentlemen, I'm not saying that you should not listen to your wife. Hear me very carefully, okay? <laughs> In fact, you would be stupid not to listen to the voice of your wife because the woman is created as the helper that every man needs and cannot manage without. But it's a pattern for human error throughout history to listen to the wrong voice and to make choices based on what I think is right or what I think is good or what seems good to me. Because that was the fall, wasn't it? She looked at the fruit of the tree she wasn't allowed and she thought, this looks good. She went shopping and found something that looked nice, but it turned out not to be a special offer. It turned out to be a poison pill. So let's pause for a second. Let's close our eyes. 
And let's ask the Lord something. God, do I ignore your voice and do what I think is good? Now, that was a trick question because I can tell you the answer to that is yes. <laughs> but more specifically, Father, is there something specific that you want to nudge me about for today where I've listened to the wrong voice or I've ignored your voice, where I've done what I thought was good? Because I want to confess that error, that sin today. If there's anything where I've stepped away from your design for me, I've stepped away from your goodness in some way. You don't have to beat yourself up if you're recognizing that, if God's showing you something. You just need to say, yes, God, I realize that was wrong. Because his word says in 1 John 1 verse 9, if we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So for as many of us in this room have recognized something and said, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I want you to know right now, God will cleanse that away as you've confessed it. Because you are forgiven in Jesus. That's what we just celebrated with the bread and the wine. It's a lie that makes you think that you have to fix what you got wrong. <laughs> right? Am I the only one in this room that when I do something wrong, I then try and turn it around and fix it? <laughs> well, that's two sins in one. Because what I need is forgiveness. And it's a free gift. And I have to turn and receive forgiveness. And it's probably not an accident I turned towards the lady who has to forgive me the most when I demonstrated that. Right? So don't try and dig yourself out of the hole you've dug. <laughs> Reach your hand out for the hand of forgiveness to pull you out. That wasn't in my notes, but you can have that one as a free one. There's all kinds of examples in Scripture of where humans don't listen, where they fail to listen and obey. I mean, it's not far after, I suppose it's about 12 chapters into Genesis, isn't it, Abram? Did I put it in my notes? Yes, Genesis 12, beginning of Genesis 12, God tells Abram to leave his country and his father's house. And he does, right? Except he doesn't, because he took his nephew with him. He was told to leave behind his family and he took some of his family with him. And if you read through Genesis, Lot caused all kinds of trouble because Abram didn't fully obey. Or later on, God promises Abram and Sarai a child, but it looks like it isn't happening. How many of us are waiting for something that God has promised and it looks like it isn't happening? Warning! Be careful, because Sarai had a good idea of what seemed good to her, right? And again, I realize there's small people in the room, so I'm not going into too much detail, but basically they abuse Hagar. And that led to all kinds of trouble. We're still seeing the result of Ishmael in the Middle East today. And it says in Genesis 16 that Abram listened to the voice of his wife. Where have we heard that before? <laughs> it's the same mistake repeated. And let's not point fingers because it's a mistake we all make. 
just to listen to my own voice or to listen to a voice of deception and do the wrong thing rather than what God says. This is going to get better, by the way. I'm just laying a foundation. All right. Later on, God gives them Isaac, the son he promised, right? But of course, Abram needs to be fixed from the, what he got wrong before, and so God says, now, now I want you to give him back. <laughs> I want you to offer him up. And Abram passed that test, which is beautiful. So in Genesis 22, verse 18, we see the result of passing the listening test. Because God says to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. There's huge potential in doing what God says. Even the, I mean, imagine... If God told me to take one of my sons and sacrifice him, I would be doing the get thee behind me Satan line, not the yes Lord line, right? It seems bizarre, but God was in it. And Abram trusted God enough to do what God said. Till God said, whoa! <laughs> we read later on in Hebrews that Abraham believed that God would raise him from the dead. It's beautiful. A couple more examples, and then we'll get to the Holy Spirit's role in this in our lives. Moses led the people out of Egypt, didn't he? And as he's doing that, as they've escaped from slavery, God says to Moses, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians. This is Exodus 19, verse 4. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. This wasn't in my notes either, but it just struck me as I read that. Where are they at the point when God says, I bore you to myself? They're in the wilderness. They're out of slavery, but they're in the wilderness. I wonder how many of us feel like God must be far off because it feels like we're in a wilderness. Sometimes the truth is, no, I brought you to myself. He's a God of the wilderness as much as a God of the promised land. That's the second free one. We're getting lots of free ones this morning. Sorry, let me keep reading. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. See, there's limitless potential for any human who will listen and obey the voice of God. Because all of it is God's, but it's infected with this inability to hear clearly and do what God says has been from the beginning. But in the structuring of the family of God that was the nation of Israel at the time, Moses teaches the people what they are to pray constantly. It's still prayed today, daily, by Jews all over the world. We call it the Shema. Our translation of it would be, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I love to, <laughs> Jane used to teach music at Chabad, the, the Jewish school down in, in Myrtle Beach. I love hearing them speak still in Hebrew. 
Shema Yisrael, um, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. It just kind of does something to you because it's, it's almost like it's speaking God's heart in the language God originally gave it. But Shema means to hear or to listen. Listen. Get ears that can hear because God is one. The Lord is our God. Now, of course, we know that Israel didn't. <laughs> Moses taught them, but they wouldn't or couldn't or didn't. But Jesus is the answer. So let's focus for a moment on our Savior. Actually, bef before we focus on Jesus, let's ask God to forgive us for all the ways we've listened to our own wisdom. Father, would you please forgive us for listening to deception, for listening to the voices of the world around us, for listening to our own twisted wisdom. We receive your forgiveness for our error and our sin right now. And we recognize that although we don't listen to you in our own natures, we have a Savior who does. And so, Jesus, would you teach us to listen and to obey and to be empowered by your Spirit. Amen. The very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he's inspirited, if I could invent a word, at his baptism. Mark 1, verses 10 and 11. He goes to John the Baptist, remember, and insists that John baptize him even though he has no sin, and John knows it. He wants to give us a model. And so he goes down into the water, and when he came up out of the water, it says in verse 10, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice, there's the voice again, a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. Notice how the Spirit and the voice are simultaneous. The Holy Spirit empowers us to listen and to follow. Because this was the point that Jesus was sparked and launched into his earthly ministry as a human being. Remember, Jesus was fully human. Don't think that what Jesus could do, I can't do because he was better than I am. He was fully human. Jesus' feet touched the ground just like your feet touch the ground now. Jesus breathed the same air you breathe. Jesus is the model for you of how God designed you to live, though you haven't lived that way fully. He is our model of God's purpose and God's plan. And Jesus says, I only do what I hear multiple times through the Gospels. If we read through all of the Gospels, I mean, I've picked out a few verses from John's Gospel, but there's lots and lots of places in the Gospels where Jesus says, I'm only doing what I'm hearing. John 8, verse 26, he says, I have much to say about you and much to judge. This is talking to the religious people. But he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I've heard from him. 
there's caution for some of us who recognize error in others around us in their following of Jesus. Don't waste your time criticizing the religious. Tell the world what you've heard from the Father. The rest of it will shrivel up by itself eventually. <laughs> that wasn't in my notes either. That's three free ones today. John 8, 47. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. Are you of God? You hear his words. Not just directly into your spirit by the Holy Spirit, although that's the primary way, but also through his written word, but also through the words that he's spoken around you. Just glance around a little bit. You are surrounded by words. <laughs> People who God has breathed into his rhema, who also have wisdom and experience, who can speak truth when we need it. I'm very thankful for the relationships God has put in my life of people who are of God in John 8:47 because they hear the words of God and they share them with me not only me hearing the words of God but those around me as well John 12:49 is another uh, important one Jesus says for I have not spoken on my own authority but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. His commandment is eternal life. And the Father who sent me has told me what to say and what to speak. That doesn't just apply to Jesus. He was the first one. He was the forerunner. He was the, the one who opened the door for the rest of us. When he sent his spirit, he said, I'll give you another helper to be with you for how long? Forever, yeah. Who will remind you, teach you, prompt you. Lots of different translations, but he'll nudge you about what I've said and how I am, and what I live, and my example, if you like. John 14, verse 10, Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Here's the link between listening to God and all of the powerful ways that we see the Holy Spirit at work in us and through us. Because when God speaks, he acts, and when God acts, he speaks. God's words and God's works are synonymous. And Jesus says, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who dwells in me does his works. Let me give you a practical um, application of that. You may encounter a situation, even this week, where you think you know the answer, but Father might be doing something different. It'll be consistent with his word, but it may not be the same as what he did last time you encountered that situation. Maybe you see somebody uh, on the side of the road asking for money, you know, you've got a little sign out. Well, maybe you always stop and give them something. It may be that Father's saying, no, not this time. Do something different. Listen to him. 
Or it may be that you never stop and give them anything. And Father may be saying, ah, but this time, do this. You see what I'm saying? It's not always the same answer that I have learned because I think I know what I'm doing. I want to live in that perpetual place of, Father, what are you doing? And the way we do that is by the Holy Spirit. Because the potential is unlimited if we'll listen to God rather than doing what seems right in our own eyes. Jesus has led the way for us. But even in his greatest test in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. In my own life, I've found that the times I don't listen to God are when I harden my heart in thinking I already know. Which Hebrews tells us is exactly what the people of Israel did. It's quoting Psalm 95, verses 7 through 9. But Hebrews 3, 7 through 10 says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for forty years. Therefore I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways, or they will not enter into my rest. Remember what happened in the wilderness. The people thought they knew the right answer, and they disobeyed God, and that caused them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until all of the ones who wouldn't do what God said had died out. And only the ones who did do what God said went into what God had promised. It's a picture for us that Jesus then remodeled when he went into the wilderness after his baptism that we read about. He was there for 40 days. And he won the battle that the people of Israel lost because he only did what the Father said. And he even resisted and, and defeated the enemy by speaking what the Father says. Even when the enemy tried to twist Scripture to make Jesus do something that would have implied a lack of trust in his Father, Jesus wouldn't fall for it. He's our model, but now he's promised us a helper for us to do the same. And this is why this fits into our theme of the Holy Spirit. John 14, verse 26. This is just after the Father who dwells in me does his works. A few verses further down. Jesus says in verse 26, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So if you are a believer in Jesus... You've received the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is speaking to you constantly about what the Father is saying. And he's reminding you constantly of what Jesus lived ahead of us in order that we could then follow. That I only do what I hear my Father say, but I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. So everything that you and I do to extend the kingdom in our daily lives in the marketplace, as was so ably taught,
taught to us two weeks ago. Everything we do in our daily lives, if we listen to the Father in the power of the Holy Spirit, with Holy Spirit nudging us, then there's no limit to what God can do. I love that. It's exciting to me. <laughs> James 1.22 says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Holy Spirit lives in you so that every action that he prompts you to take will be fruitful for the kingdom's sake because he's in you and because you're choosing to be obedient. Will you understand it every time? Probably not. Will it be the same as what he did last time? Probably not. How many of Jesus' miracles were identical repeats of what he'd done before? I can't find any. I mean, I, and there might be one or two, I guess, but I couldn't find any. Because he's always doing what the Father's saying. Now, the miracles are all the same. There's, you know, raise the dead and cleanse the lepers and heal the sick and cast out demons. and all. There's a lot of power flowing around, but it flows different every time. Our challenge is we love to have things so that I can understand it and so that I can be in charge of it. And if we're not careful, we're eating from the wrong tree again. There is no one way to bring the kingdom because God is far more creative than that. There are many, many ways. And it's Holy Spirit in you and me who will soften our hearts. Remember the challenge to the Israelites? They hardened their hearts. Holy Spirit softens our hearts to make us much more responsive to his voice. I'm going to pray in just a moment, but I want to give you one uh, example of that. It was one of those times, and you'll hear more about this as we get towards January when John and Carol Arnott, who are our spiritual parents, are actually going to come visit us here in Myrtle Beach, which is amazing and wonderful. But I am a graduate of the John Arnott School of Ministry because every time John saw an opportunity of a bus coming along, he would push me under it. Which is how Jane learned to do what Jane does around here. You know, well, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. What, me? <laughs> because he was in tune with what the Father was saying through the Holy Spirit. And he trusted that if I would say yes, there's obedience, Holy Spirit would do what he needed to do. So on one occasion, John had asked me to go with him and Carol to Japan and at this point, I believe, if I remember rightly, I've been ordained for like two weeks or something crazy. I used to be the bookstore manager, and now I'm on staff, on the pastoral staff, you know, like two weeks ago. And I'm going to Japan, and they tell me what I'm going to speak on at this church anniversary weekend by myself. I'm not just going to go and help with a conference and, you know, man the book table and pray for people. No, I'm the main speaker at the... The, uh, the church anniversary for one of the hosting churches in Japan, and John and Carol are going to be somewhere else entirely. This is all on me, except it's not on me at all. And Pastor Wada has sent four titles for me to speak on on Saturday afternoon and Saturday evening and Sunday morning and Sunday afternoon. Yes, that's four back-to-back -back sessions with no gaps. Healing, deliverance, restoring your family, and taking your city. They don't teach that in bookstore manager school. <laughs> and so I did some preparation, and it was woefully inadequate because I really didn't know. 
But by the time we got to the second session, the Saturday evening session, which was on deliverance, I had a few notes because I'd been to one conference on deliverance while we'd been there. And I'm going, oh God, oh God, oh God. But I knew that the Father, through John, had asked me to do something, and I'd said yes. And so I, I trusted that I'm in step with him. And as the meeting began, the Holy Spirit did all the work. In fact, I don't think I said anything particularly. There were all kinds of different situations where people were standing up and, and saying, yeah, I, I, I need deliverance in this way. And the Holy Spirit would just come and do it supernaturally because he showed up. And I'm like, whoa, this is pretty easy. Because this doesn't look like the method I learned. This is God doing what God wants to do. Now, I'm not saying methods are completely wrong. What I am saying is methods above Holy Spirit is always wrong. Did you catch the difference? But there was great power through great inadequacy. I was the great inadequacy. He was the great power. And God did all kinds of wonderful things that weekend because all I could do was what the Father said. Because I didn't know what else to do. And I commend that to you. That you put yourself in settings where you don't know what to do. Because the danger of me knowing what to do is that I harden my heart. The benefit of me not knowing what to do is that Holy Spirit can soften my and when he softens our hearts, then we can listen and follow and see the same kind of power that Jesus released through his earthly ministry through our lives as well. So I'd love us to just pray together for a moment. I'm going to lead us through that process. And then I've got a little bit of homework for you and the Holy Spirit to do together during this week. So let's close our eyes and We already ask God to forgive us for the times that we've done our own thing. But if there's any little remnant of that left, I just want to give you a moment to say, Father, forgive me again. I want to pray that too. Father, in any way that I've hardened my heart, in any way that I've followed my own understanding, I recognize that that was straying away from the path that you've put before us. And so I ask your forgiveness. And I receive your forgiveness as a gift from God. But Jesus, thank you that you knew that every one of us would fall short in those ways. And you've taken away the consequences of our sin. You, <laughs> you've cleansed us from all unrighteousness. So Jesus, thank you that you showed me how to listen and follow by your example in your ministry here on this earth. But thank you that when you ascended to the Father, you didn't leave us like orphans. You gave us a gift of another helper, one just like you, Holy Spirit, to live in us moment by moment and day by day. So Holy Spirit, just right now in these moments, would you soften my heart? I welcome your presence in me in a deeper and greater way. 
Would you speak to me? Would you teach me to follow? Would you help me to trust? Would you highlight for me the others you've put around me that I wouldn't do this alone, that I would do this in your family? And as I choose to only speak what I hear you say, I'm trusting you to empower me to do the works that go with the words. Would you empower me now to fulfill your plans, to live in your life and not my own, to listen and obey and see the kingdom come. Thank you for this adventure. Thank you for this life. Thank you for all of the potential of Almighty God living in me. Choose your way, Father, and not my own understanding and my own will. I yield to you, Holy Spirit. I choose to obey what my Heavenly Father says to me. In Jesus' name, Amen. If you would like, I just prepared a little homework sheet. It's very simple. It's a lot easier than the homework the Bible College students are doing. But three things for you just to discuss with God. And you may want to take it to a trusted friend and talk about it with them as well. I listen to the wrong voices when... Dot, dot, dot. When are the times in my life that I listen to the wrong voices? When I turn on the TV... <laughs> When I get with my friends at work and they're all about whatever, it'll be different for you, whatever it might be. I listen to the wrong voices when. And then I harden my heart when. I harden my heart when I think I know what I'm doing. I harden my heart when things get hard and I think God's forgotten me. I harden my heart when I am in pain. I harden my heart when whatever. You can fill in those blanks yourself as well. But having seen where it goes astray, then the best bit of all is, I choose to obey what Father God says to me. And there's lots of space on there for you to write down whatever he's saying to you. And it's Holy Spirit is going to show you, and it's Holy Spirit is going to empower you. So we'll put these on the table over there, and if you'd like to take one and work with it, this week, you're welcome to. There's no test. We won't collect them in next week like we do with the Bible school ones. But you're welcome to do the homework. Some of the Bible school students are laughing because yeah, we have a lot of fun on Thursdays. What I would like you to do is to come back and share with us what God does as we together learn to hear His voice and in the power of the Holy Spirit to do what he says.
to me, this is the most fundamental expression of Holy Spirit's presence in us, that we hear and we do what he says. The potential's limitless. And God's on the move. We get to be part of it. So I bless you to hear him clearly, to follow him fully, and to see things that you could never see if you didn't. Well, you can if you want. <laughs> I was going to, but you can, since you're here. <laughs> You'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Well, I wanted to make sure that we could say Happy Thanksgiving to you all. And uh, next Sunday, we have a treat, a beautiful couple. Um, we met through the Father Heart School uh, several times. They're going to be staying with us for the weekend, but we asked them to give their testimony. It's going to be amazing. It's really powerful. And uh, so don't miss that. If you're going to be around, please come and hear, hear them. They're very gentle, very beautiful. Thank you, sweetheart. I think you'll find that it, without them knowing, it all ties into what we just talked about and what you're going to come back and share. So have a great week. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you next Sunday.